Hey everybody, this is Mike, and today is August 1st, 2020, and, um, you know, it's been a while. I'm back. I'm excited <laughs> to share some good stuff. Um, uh, I got a lot I want to talk about, a lot of, uh, I mean, so much has been changing since uh, in the past month, but I, I want to begin with an update, and so I think what, what this video is going to be is a um like bringing up to speed um and then um the second i want to do another video relatively soon and that's going to be getting into like where i think the the real juicy stuff is i mean not to say that this stuff isn't juicy but you know uh so so this this the, these two are going to be linked and so this is going to be about like synchronicity golden threads and really what 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 I'm, I'm sensing as the unveiling of the true internet. Um, I'm not, but that's what I'm going to work up to because I can't just lead with that. <laughs> All right. So um, May 1st, you know, whew, what, 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 how different does the world feel since then? But May 1st, I, um, I moved into, uh, I moved into a church. And I spent 60 days there, um, and, you know, that was really, really significant because of the timing in my own life, the timing of everything which is happening, and then the, the, the symbology of everything involved with, like, you know, being in a vacant church and so forth and stuff like that. So I moved out at the uh, uh, end of June, on June 1st, and so let's go from there to this date. So, so that began with, um, me leaving on a trip, um, uh, to Tennessee. I'm in Pennsylvania. And so, um, what we're going to do right now is kind of get an idea. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you some stories as demonstrations of, um, really how, the the synchronicities and the golden threads which are going to um be our our maps if you will through what's going on in the world right now because you know part of like this travel was you know like a reality check let me see what different parts of the world are like what's going on how are how are how is life there and then um you know, and then also, you know, how my own sort of journey ties into it, you know, and this is true for all of this. So I share this, um, one, because I like to tell stories, but two, um, to encourage you to begin to understand your life from this sort of perspective as well, and to begin to look for the, um, the, the very, very tangible golden threads, um, which are going to be indications of like how you move through this, 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 the mask wearers <laughs> and what's going on in that world right now. So, okay. So, um, right after moving out of the church, uh, me and Jenny, uh, and the two girls head down, um, we were heading down to Chattanooga, this is Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we're up, we're up, uh, further up from here in Pennsylvania. And, you know, just the logistics of the trip, we're like, you know, we're going to break it up for, uh, we didn't want to do that. It was a, I don't know, 13 hour car trip. We're like, let's break this up. Uh, we had two young ones with us and, and, you know, it's, it's fun. Let's get out of the house. We're, we're doing this road trip sort of thing. And, um, we found a place to stay in, in Greenville, Tennessee. 
And the selection of Greenville, Tennessee was a variety of factors. It was like, you know, kind of like a little bit more like around the general area. We wanted to stop overnight. Um, it was convenient to get to because we're taking 81 all the way down. This is like Virginia. This is West Virginia. This is Tennessee. Uh, this is, um, maybe that's Kentucky. I don't know. I know maybe that's still, that's still Tennessee, whatever. And here's North Carolina. So it's that, that part of, of the world. And we we're going to stop here and we found a place which we liked. And so this is the place which we found. We found this, this, the farm at Spring Creek uh, in Greenville, Tennessee. This is the cabin and the place was, you know, it was fantastic. It looked interesting. The price was right. You know, it was convenient. So that's where we went and we stayed. You know, that was the logic behind why we chose to stay there. And so as it turns out, this Greenville, um, uh, Tennessee, uh, which has a population of 15,000 to give you some sort of idea of the size of it. You know, it's, it's like a town. It's a good size. 15,000 people live there, but it's not like, you know, a metropolis. Um, but it's the home of the 17th president, um, Andrew Johnson, um, or he lived there for, for a bit. It was where he began his political career. And so, you know, there are only what, 45 U.S. presidents. And so there's only so many places that, that towns that are associated with presidents. And so here's a small one and we happen to bump into it. And not only that, you know, I'd never heard of Andrew Johnson before. Um, he was the 17th president was the president of uh, following, uh, the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. He was Lincoln's vice president. So Lincoln Lincoln was killed and, um, Lincoln was killed and then, uh, um, Johnson steps in, which is very interesting because, you know, you've got the whole sort of when Kennedy was killed <laughs> and then Johnson, his vice president steps in and, you know, there's all sorts of interesting things we could go there. But if you know those stories, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, you could take that down your own way. But what I really wanted to focus upon was we were coming from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and Lancaster is home of James Buchanan, and Buchanan was the 15th president, right? And so what we did was we went from the 15th president to the 17th president and completely bypassed the Civil War. And if you go back in time, if you remember back July 1st, you know, that was really when, when the stokings of the Civil War were happening, or at least in the reality which I was living in, like, you know, that was when all of the protests, when all of this stuff was going on. And so on a certain level of experiential reality, you know, you're watching, you're talking to me right now since this has already transpassed, but, you know, for all I know, Civil War was bypassed. In my reality, and, and this sort of type of talk of like time travel, you know, in a very kind of like tangible, but like, you know, what are we talking about sort of way, we're going to go back to that. We don't quite understand what anything is, but if we are going to be honest with ourselves, we don't understand anything. The only thing you can say for certain is that you are in your body right now. And you are in this thing called Earth, and you don't know what Earth is, but you can recognize what that darkness, which we call sky, is, and those dots are. And we have some semblance of points of reference, but everything else we can't really say for certainty. I'm not saying that the stories that we've been told are not, are not 
accurate, but I'm saying maybe they're not. And so we have to be, we have to be willing, particularly in this time frame, when everything is changing, to begin to look at things as they are and not, and realize where we have lenses of interpretation. So all I'm saying is, from our history, I went through the Civil War, okay? And we did that. We did this in this joyful sort of way, which is what travel does travel is such a human experience you know there are times for travelers and there are times where we're homesteaders but we travel and we go on experiences so I'm traveling uh, down this very very beautiful path through through this part of North America which is you know through popular culture has been tied to with being very backwoods thinking you know very kind of backwards it's got like this bad reputation but I'm gonna say from my experience going from where I was coming from in Pennsylvania and as soon as I got to this area right here this corner uh, of where is Bristol uh, wherever Bristol um, Virginia is like crossing over there it is from Virginia into to Tennessee it's like things got a whole lot easier things got a whole lot more open and it wasn't until I started getting into what, what we would think of as more of these progressive towns that were in this part of the world that I began to seeing the, the stuff being shut down. But anyway, we took Greenville down to Chattanooga. Chattanooga was a spectacular place, and I'd like to do some research upon it. Like, I, I learned a little bit about the Tennessee River. I learned a little bit about, about the mound sites, which are indicators of, of the significance of this area. But, but that was that is not where I want to go to right now. That that's not the point. The point is the next part of our journey from after Chattanooga, we went to Asheville. We visited some friends, and the point of all of this, the point of all of this travel to Chattanooga and to at the Asheville area was it was a reconnection with family. So look at that symbolically. So we went down here, and interestingly enough, my own sister goes. Who we did this on Jenny's family. Um, my sister, who, who lives in Florida, and unbeknownst to me, she then made a trip, a trip to Chattanooga a couple weeks after we had returned. So we're beginning to see these threads, and I encourage you to look for these threads in your life as well. But nonetheless, we then went to Asheville, and this is where the next part of our synchronicity begins to show itself. So we go to Asheville, and Asheville is a place where, um, you know, that, that's another area where I'm going to do some, some research, particularly because of the French Broad. If you've been following my, my, my work, the French Broad is the name of the, the river, the, the, the one of the, what I would call the three sisters, the Susquehanna, the New, and the French Broad, uh, as they all, um, are ancient and came about around the same time. The French Broad also has a connotation to the Sequana or the Seine River as the French Broad is a French woman and if you've been following along you understand the significance of these connections. But nonetheless, <laughs> you know, this is, this is, this is Vanderbilt headquarters. The DuPonts are connected to this area so we see all of the, the signs. But nonetheless, Asheville is, is a shut down city. Uh, in my opinion, in terms of um, in terms of how that general population is responding to the stories which are being pushed out upon them. So nonetheless, this is where the story gets good. All right. So we head to um, 
we head to, to Asheville and we went, saw someone we know, and then we went to go see some family. And the actual place for family was right around here. It was in the South Carolina border. We had to drive down about an hour from Asheville down, down here. And we went to a town which was called um, Iman, I think, or Inman. And we saw some family, and then we returned, and we returned home. And this was a really, really kind of like, you know, personal intense time, uh, just in terms of like, you know, travel, you know, is always like, if you're going to be in the car for like 13 hours and there's all sorts of stuff which was going on and there was, there was like, uh, particularly in early July, there was, there was a lot of pressure in terms of like the civil war and, 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 uh, um, there were concerns and thoughts of their, um, of there actually being some degrees of, of, of maybe roadblocks between states because of potential quarantines if one traveled out of state. So that was kind of in the air. And then I was coming off of 60 days of being in a church and like all this sort of stuff. So this provided a great opportunity for self-reflection. And on this trip back, on this trip back, I was, I was thinking, I'm like, you know, what is, what is going to unfold? What, 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 what am I seeing is going to unfold? And I'm just kind of open with this discussion in my own head. And I was thinking about, because I'm coming from right this area, I was thinking about Freeman, Freeman Fly, right? If you're watching this, you're probably quite familiar with Freeman and his influence in terms of, um, breaking out, you know, really kind of like mainstreaming, bringing it to a mainstream or somewhat mainstream population of, you know, kind of breaking out of the dream. He was, he was instrumental, like, you know, in the late nineties and the first decade of the two thousands. And so I've been a long time follower of Freeman and, you know, I've been on a show once and that was a, um, uh, that was, that was a real treat for me. And I knew he lived in Greenville and I knew I was right by there. And I was thinking about Freeman. And I was thinking about where the world is going to go. And what is, what is a model? Because that's kind of how we work. We do need models. You don't need a model, but we use a model, an idea in our head. This is the power of predictive programming. That's why it's used to guide you to this. Why capture the imagination is so important is because when ideas are placed upon the mind, it's like the natural unflowing of life wants to go somewhere, it's going to go around like kind of what, uh, particularly if you're unconscious of what seems, uh, what seems commonplace. And so to me, understanding that level of like human experience and consciousness, I'm like, you know, what's a model which we need? Like what makes sense for how we know what reality will be? And I start thinking of, uh, a model which was placed by Freeman, like, which was first introduced to me a couple I don't know, like five, ten years ago, and he used to call it the friendship agenda. And the friendship agenda was really about like, you know, traveling and we're all friends and, and, you know, homesteaders and, and creating this, this kind of, uh, secondary, um, culture where the currency was friendship, which was, you know, the most human thing you can imagine. And, and what I was thinking about when I was driving home was, um, 
I was thinking about how that idea, which sounded like almost like uh, just like quaint or fantasy-like, you know, this 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 hippie fantasy of how life could be, to it sounding like you know that's a real tangible way which life may have to unfold you know there's a demarcation in the in the sand you know it by those who 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 want to wear it and those who know not to you know that's a pretty clear indication um and for those who do not want to wear it um at some point they're gonna be like i can't be part of the system like at some point the line is going to be drawn most likely that like if you want to be part of the system um either you're going to have to have your immunity id and everything that comes along with it or you know for me personally like i just i like people too much i want to see your face you know i don't want to interact with 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 that mask and so it's like you know i'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm so, I, I used to love being out in public and now it's like, you know, I, I, I don't have that, that, that I don't have the stomach for it. And that's just me personally, because I know other people are like, you know, now is the time you need to go out in public because we need that human connection. And like, you know, that's part of the, we're all walking our own, um, you know, our own path. But, but nonetheless, I know where I am and I know that, that there's got to be another way which is going to start to unfold. And that's why this friendship agenda was making so much sense. And I'm thinking about Freeman. And that's what all this is built up for, my friends. <laughs> because this is like September or July 7th or 8th. It was Wednesday, July the 8th. When I am driving back, I'm driving back 81 and I'm thinking about all this. And then lo and behold, lo and behold, you know, Let's go see this. <laughs> you know, look right here. This is what we're talking about. Here's Asheville. We went down from 27. We went to this Inman in South Carolina. And this is Greenville. And Greenville is where Freeman lives. And it's 17 miles away. And that's why I'm thinking about him. I'm physically and mentally, I'm in that space. And then the next day, you see this right here? July 9, 2020. It's an email from the producer of Freeman's show. You know, I don't really know this guy. I've traded some emails before and we, and, and, and because he set up the last show and we, and he's introduced me to some other folks, but it's not like this is like a good friend of mine. This is not a common, a common communication link. And I get this, I get this, this email from Steve and it says, Hey, <laughs> Freeman, Freeman's guest fell through. Would you be able to like fill in? You know, this isn't, we've never had this relationship before, but this pops up on July 9th upon me, like, returning after all of this and being in Freeman's mind. And so the reason why I'm sharing all of this, the reason why I'm sharing, like, this, 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 like, going from one world to the other is because it's getting weird, my friends, but it doesn't feel weird because we're living it. But I'm pointing this out for me because it's, it's, in my opinion, it's in a very, it's, it's dramatic in the fact that I can show out the details. I can point out the details very, very clearly. And now I'm going to go on one level deeper. All right. So I went on that Freeman show. I think we had a really nice conversation. Um, and, uh, you know, if I recommend listening to it if you like this sort of stuff.
So now we go into what life um, transpired to upon returning home. So, uh, also while I was gone, also while I was gone, like I got a good friend in Lancaster, I got a good friend in Lancaster, uh, Ben of the Gypsies, that's what his name is. And he's a master gardener amongst other things, like uh, uh, one of what, someone who I feel very, very lucky um, to call a friend. You know, one of those people, like you know, when you got like people like that in your life. And so Ben, one of the things which he does, he's really well known for, is he t uh, Lancaster City, and this is a picture of a house in Lancaster City. It's got a lot of these like um, in the city in the immediate area, like these like really grand um, buildings and estates from from another time, if you will. And Ben is known within these circles of of being a caretaker of these of these beautiful gardens. And from that, like, you know, he gets involved with, like, you know, things that spill out from that. And so the owner of um, the, th this house uh, on Lancaster City, uh, it recently changed hands. And Ben was responsible for, um, like, really overseeing the cleaning out of this house. This house was built in the 1860s, and it had been in the same family uh since that time period and so because it always just kind of stayed within the family from different generations um like it it filled up with a lot of stuff in the last couple like generations it's really fallen into ill repair and ben was kind of overseeing the cleaning out of this and that involved like bringing in a lot of auctioners and like you know people who would see value and and whole and and work with like kind of old stuff and it was also like a lot of cleaning out and Ben was like, he reached out and he's like, hey, I saw that you did this thing in the, the, the church. I was following along. He's like, can you help me out? Like, I got a week's worth of work here. Like, cleaning this thing out, you might find it interesting. And I'm like, all right, you know. One, I was excited to work with my friend Ben. But two, like, you know, I'm, I'm totally surrendered down into following this golden path. And I know when something like this shows itself in my life, it's got to be something great, right? So I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I know it's significant. And so this is the house right here. Um, and I'll cut to the chase. We're already 20 minutes into this talk, but it was like, it was a buildup. It was on the last day, like the first day there, like it was like this interesting, creepy, wild house in disrepair, but beautiful at the same time. Um, and I knew it, I was linked to it, but I couldn't quite figure out why. And I knew that a doctor lived in the house because there's all this stuff from the, from like, you, there was, it was clear that it was a doctor's office, probably from like, uh, very active in the 1950s was run out of this, this, this house. Um, and you could see who the people were who lived in the house. But it wasn't until the third day, my final day working there, that, um, I figured out uh, who and what this doc, what this house is, and how this connects to me in this very, very like, gr uh, like, incredibly tangible way. So let me first back up into this. So right here, um, if you're familiar with uh, particularly this video, this work, uh, the Mystic Lancaster series. Um, particularly La Mystic Lancaster Part 3, the Rose Line, the Timeline, and the Line of Prophecy. 
Uh, that And it came out, what, two years ago, late July, late July 2018. Look, only a thousand views. It's probably, you know, me <laughs> at least 25 of those times. Um, but this is telling the story of these three roads. This road right here, 462 Columbia Avenue. This is the timeline. Route 23 right here, this is the Rose Line, and this Manor Street, which is also 999, this is the line of prophecy. And this is like, come true. <laughs> so, let me first point out, that house which we see right here, we see it is 230 West Orange Street, West, and we find that right here. Where are we? This is West Orange Street. This is like two blocks off of West Orange Street. It's like right here. This is it, right where this blinker is. And this road, it goes into this road and this road. This is an intersection. This is right in the epicenter of all of this. Watch this video. Watch all of the videos, really, to understand the significance. But this is like right in the heart of it all. All right. So uh, let me also give a little point of context. Um, so this is the epicenter. This is, this is the energetic epicenter. This is where these three roads, 23, 462, and 999, they all empty into the Susquehanna River, the oldest river. This is 40th parallel right here. I'm living right now in Millersville. I was living in Marietta. This is where Chickie's Rock is. If you've got, if you've like seen any of like the rights of the parallel, sort of 40th parallel, this is where it takes place right here. This is Chickie's Rock. This is High Point right here. And this is Turkey Point right here, right where 999 hits 441. This is where the 40th parallel is. This is where the Susquehannocks live. This is where everything is. This is where the map is. So this is the epicenter of it all. And so we see this house, all right? And um, so I find out, all right. <laughs> So I, I realize at the end of the day who this person is. I know it's a doctor. His name was Dr. Hal Williams. Dr. Hal Williams. I could see it in all of the stuff which I was like throwing out. There was a, an enormous book collection, thousands and thousands of books um, dating back to the late 1900s, like original books within this family. Um, and many of the books uh, I could see belonged to to the, the doctor, the doctor who practiced there. And his name was Hal Williams. And eventually I realized who Hal Williams was. So let me go and tell you who I know who Hal Williams was. Dr. Williams right here. Um, I'll read this. This is about the Susquehanna Waldorf School. And if you're familiar with, with, with a lot, I, I talk about the, the, my, my boys a lot. You know, it's a big part of what and who I am. And this is from last year, spring 20, 2019. These are my children. They are in the Susquehanna Waldorf School. We see this right here. It's called Williams Hall is the, is this where this picture was taken. These are my sons. And so where is this located? Where is Susquehanna Waldorf School located? Um, Right here, this is Route 23. This is the Rose Line. It goes right into the Marietta. This is where it's located. Marietta 23 turns into Market Street. And this is Market Street right here. 
You can see it. I literally used to live right here. This was the building I lived in, and this is the Waldorf School. I lived here because I was across the street with my sons. This is where the Rose Line ends. This is the Waldorf School, and this house, Dr. Williams, it is he and his wife who gave the initiative and loving support and guidance for the founding of this school, the Susquehanna Waldorf School. The Susquehanna Waldorf School began in 1987 by a group of parents. They met in Lancaster, Friends Meeting House. They eventually moved to this building right here, and they were under the guidance of um, how Dr. Williams and his wife, Dorothea Williams, who was a Waldorf teacher who taught the first class. So the first point I want to I wanna bring to this is, you know, I'm not... I'm not endorsing Waldorf education, obviously, like I send my, my, my children there. I'm just saying that this is an immensely, I have an immensely strong personal connection with the Susquehanna Waldorf School, and I'm finding myself in the house, in the house of the man who he and his wife, who were the inspirations behind it. And the reason why they are the, the, the support and guidance. So, so I'm going to give a little bit of information about the, about Waldorf education. So Waldorf education is based upon the teachings of Rudolf Steiner. Um, I know a lot about like Steiner's path, like, you know, how his philosophies, how it ties in with theosophy, stuff like that. But me personally, I don't like to go deep into like the philosophical sort of things. I like to back off from that. And I like, I, there was a time I did, but now I kind of am a little bit more hands off. I'm not like an expert in Steiner, but I know that this is a school which is based upon Steiner philosophy. Um, but what, how Williams, what Dr. Williams was, is he was a big follower of Steiner's beliefs. And I know a lot of people who are. And so it is from that philosophy which Waldorf education is based upon. So let's go, you know, this is probably the most I've looked at, at, at Steiner's um, teachings, um, pulling these slides together. So let's go look at this. So Waldorf education, also known as Steiner education, is based upon the educational philosophy of Rudolf Steiner, the founder of, of Anthro. I can never say this because I always talk about this in Waldorf schools. Um, anthroposophy. And so, so Steiner was once met like a firm, like, a uh, 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 leader within like the H.P. Blavatsky, um, theosophical movement. I think he's one generation later, like the, the Annie Bassat era. And then like there was some, some like, uh, disagreements in terms of like philosophies. Uh, but they have some fun, they have like very, very strong foundational truths. And then he went and he founded this anthroposophy. And so let's go read what, and what, what, what this is, um, uh, about like from a Wikipedia uh, explanation, so you take that totally with a grain of salt, both in terms of like simplifying probably a very very complex philosophical opinion, but then also you know you know whatever you want to think about 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 Wikipedia. But um, St St 
Waldorf education is Steiner education. And this guy, this guy, Hal Williams, whose house I was in, which found me, and I was cleaning out his basement, is like based upon this understanding. And so this is, and, and Steiner is, is amongst esoterists, you know, he's held in the highest regard. Um, and Steiner postulates the existence of an objective, intellectually comprehensible spiritual world. Like he's like, there's this invisible world and we should be able to really, really understand it and, and like almost like bring this rational understanding. Like there's a value in rational thought. It's just understanding like, you know, where the scientific method ends, where, where the, um, where the trivium ends and the quadrivium begins. Um, and so it's bringing that to a spiritual world. Um, and it's an accessible human experience as the followers of anthroposophy aim to develop the mental facilities of spiritual discovery through a mode of thought um, independent of sensory experience. So, so what I do know very much about Waldorf education is like everything in Waldorf education is very much about the developing of the soul of the individual of the child. And it's based upon understanding that upon, um, upon Steiner's belief. And, you know, I've read a handful, a handful of, 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 um, analysis of like Steiner beliefs, you know, uh, each making valid points of like, you know, the dangers associated with it and the, you know, the higher truths associated with all these different sort of things. And, um, you know, this is, the reason I bring that up is like there, there are many, many ways of looking at different things. And I think each person should come up with their, with their own sort of understanding. So I'm not espousing a belief system, but I believe it enough or, uh, that I send my children or I sent my children there. So I have this strong connection and this is, and I do know what I'm interested in. And when I read this as a description of Steiner's philosophy, I'm like, that's, that's what I'm working with. And that's what I'm looking with. And I'll also say this, I think this is fantastic. This here is a picture of Rudolf Steiner. This here is a picture of John Rappaport. You know, I'm not saying they're the same person. I'm not saying they're not the same person, but what I will say is if there's ever a, a example of the signature of doctrines or the doctrine of signatures, whatever that is known as, that's what we're looking at right here. So let's continue with our story. So the reason I'm bringing up and going deep into the Steiner stuff is because what we're pointing at, what we're looking at, these golden threads, they exist in this, what, whether you call it the spiritual world, the invisible world, it's in this world. And I, for one, am very interested in understanding that as a very objective, intellectually comprehensible, but also in a very, very free-flowing, artistic sort of, of, of way. And the reason I'm saying that is... Um, because this is what we're going to need to navigate this reality. I brought up that Freeman's friendship agenda. And I'm seeing that as a model, a working model for the future of like how we're going to be living during this time. Um, and it's going to be a joyful, fun way. And so 
I'm thinking about that as, and that used to be like, as a, like this, this hippie fantasy, but now it is like, you know, it is the most, it is the smartest thing we can do. But we need to also approach it, or at least I'm approaching it from, from like a perspective of it having much more, it's very tangible or more tangible than I ever gave it credence to before. And I've always, you know, <laughs> you know, I've always been a little bit out there, I suppose. And we're, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this in my personal life in individuals and my life, which is strongly tied to a Steiner-esque philosophy. Now, I also want to point this out right now and why this is interesting is because I still have a personal connection with, with the Waldorf School. Uh, as does Jenny, you know, her, her daughters go here as well. Her daughters are younger than my sons. And within the school, there's, there's, there's within all schools, uh, and really within all of Waldorf, there is a debate which is happening. And so on, on the first field level, on the first field level, it's like, is this school like even going to be in existence? You know, can we have a school? And then secondly, uh, and that could be like financially, that could be like, you know, is the government going to allow it? All these different sort of things. And then secondly is what is that school going to look like? And what is becoming evident, which I'm seeing within, within, um, the school, which, which, which I'm involved with is that what was once thought of as a, a group of, of individuals that would recognize the lacking um, of, uh, let's say, mainstream education. Um, and what's nice about this Waldorf school, different than other Waldorf schools, is this one is, I think, more true to the, its mission in terms of, like, you know, uh, uh, the socioeconomic groups this this appeals to. But, but nonetheless, um, the 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 value, like there used to be a time if you were to go to an education like this, that you would need to sign like, you know, a vow that there will be no television in the home. There'll be no, no electronic media in the home. Um, because there was this real recognition of, um, there was this real recognition of, uh, how the electronic world affects the development of the human being. You know, I'll just leave it at that. And, you know, there was, there was, there was a time, like, you know, this is an article from, um, from 2011, where it was talking about how in Silicon Valley executives would send their children to the Waldorf school in Silicon Valley, you know, it was kind of like a, um, a status symbol sort of thing to do, um, and not to use technology. And it was kind of, uh, you know, this was written in such a time where it was, um, you know, it was, it was hinted, hinted at in these like, uh, quote unquote progressive type of thought that like, you know, technology is not a good thing. And, you know, you want to raise your children without technology, but now what has happened within the Waldorf community itself is that Waldorf has completely lost its, its connection with, um, with that understanding of reality and it has completely embraced the um 
the the like uh, computer platform and mask wearing between students, you know, and teachers. And so uh, this is something which I found online um, about you know this from a, a, a an educator in this particular program saying I'm shocked and dismayed by the phenomena of Waldorf teachers teaching via Zoom and other computer platforms. It's like how far have we fallen? And so what is so interesting, I'm going to circle this back to the Dr. Williams, you know, the very individual who was the, um, the inspiration of this type of philosophy, which for me personally has benefited in, in, in the, the shaping of my children. Um, you know, this thing is dead. You know, whether or not the school dies or not, um, the philosophy which this was once held, that's no longer there. And I'm, I'm finding myself in this man's basement, cleaning it out, breathing his air. Uh, one of the, one of the ways of payment for this job was I got to take some cool stuff home. And so like, I've got some of his, his, um, you know, some of his stuff there. Uh, in my personal belonging, because this is an energetic line, you know, my entire, the entire work, which I was, uh, um, I was doing related to, um, this work were energetic lines and I'm seeing it really showing itself now in my personal life. Uh, I've been a follower of John Rappaport for a very, very long time. I may not have been a follower of Steiner. I mean, I was a, probably more than a typical cat down the street, but I was not like a student, but I was a student of Steiner. So whatever that means. So I'm seeing this show up and I'm saying this is like, you know, look at your own lives. We're seeing, we're seeing, we're seeing these energetic lines becoming very, very like strong and evident in our lives. So where do I want to go with this? So, um, and the school, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, the movement is dying. So let me go end that portion of Dr. Williams right now, because I began looking further into this man because I realized that I have a connection with this man and I'm seeing how it's showing itself in this way. So I begin to look and, I, and do a search. I'm like, who is this Dr. Williams? And this was really the way how I, this is when, when it really clicked, to be quite honest. It clicked, it clicked that he was who he was, that he was the, the man that Williams Hall was. And, and I remembered, I did not put the Waldorf connection in my, in my mind. I did not realize that until I saw when I was going through all of the different, um, uh, wall hangings that there was a framed uh, certificate which named him as an elder and it was from the National Center of Homeopathy and it seems that Dr. Williams who died peacefully in his home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 11 2000, uh, 2002 he was 87 years old in the home I was in and what's funny is I couldn't find a, an obituary on him anywhere besides this ode to him in homeopathy. <laughs> but it turns out he was one of the, 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 um, incorporators of the National Center of Homeopathy. And in fact, he was the, the dean of, um, 
their summer school, which was held in Millersville, Pennsylvania, 1980 to 1986. So I'm living in Millersville right now. I was in Dr. Williams' own, you know, in his stomping grounds. And so the thing which is so interesting about homeopathy, you know, and I, again, I'm not a proponent of homeopathy. You know, if this works with you, work with it. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If you want to explore something new, uh, fantastic, you know. Um, what, what I find so interesting about homeopathy is when you look into it is, is it's explained or one of the ways it's explaining is its ability uh, from a quantum level of going to different dimensions, however you want to go and take that to mean. You know, that's what homeopathy, it works by going on a different level of existence and then bringing back a healing from that level of existence into the realm which, which, we, which we physically reside in, which sounds, you know, very similar to so many different topics. If you can expand your, um, expand uh, the context in terms of, of, of applying that. So now let's, let's go and bring this kind of all home. So when I was in the church, when I was living in the church, I was in, uh, um, see if I even got a picture of this. Do I got a map of this? That's not it. I was, um, I was, I was right here. This is where the church was, right here. I was in between the timeline and this, this line of prophecy, 999. And this area right here, this is known as Hamilton Park. That's why this is the timeline, because right here was the headquarters and manufacturing of the Hamilton Watch Company. So what is the Hamilton Watch Company? The Hamilton Watch Company, established in 1892. It was in Lancaster City, okay, or in Lancaster. It was located right in this location, um, which is now known as the Hamilton Watch Complex. It's named after the founder of Lancaster. Right here we see, we see that... Uh, um, what does it even say? I don't think I... Do I have it right here? The company was named after James Hamilton, the, um, the son of a Scottish-born attorney that, that laid out and founded Lancaster. This, is a guy, this guy's a Rosicrucian. I go into this in, 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 in one. This is all Rosicrucian stuff. This is Hamilton watch, symbols of time. That's why it's a timeline. This was the largest watch manufacturer in the country at one point. They had 56% of the market at one point. Um, the area which I was in the church was in Hamilton Park, which was where all of the workers of the Hamilton um, watch factory lived, okay? And so let's now go and switch this up a little bit. And we see in the movie Interstellar, Interstellar is all about multidimensional travel. And the symbol which the movie director, Christopher Nolan, uses to show traveling from the fifth dimension to the third dimension was a Hamilton watch. We see it right here. This is the um, uh, Matthew McConaughey. He wears a Hamilton khaki whatever watch in the 2014 movie interstellar this watch this physical watch is the the um the symbol used 
I was in the Hamilton Watch Church. I went then into to to um, Dr. Williams's basement after being in the spiritual center of the working folks who made the watch company. There's something going on, my friends. <laughs> it's not just me. I'm just telling the story for you. If you're pulling, if you're coming along with me, undoubtedly, you are part of this friendship agenda which is unfolding. And so that's what the next part of this, this video series is going to be about. And that's where I want to kind of end it with. This is just the preface. Like, you know, I'm going to be talking about what's known as the real internet. I'm going to be talking about that in our next, in our next video. Okay. So I, I appreciate you coming this long and, uh, I hope this has given you a lot of, a lot of food to thought, a lot of food, thought for food. <laughs> you can see how things are starting to turn around. And I want to end this, this video, um, with one last story. So, once the completion of the cleaning out of Dr. Williams's house occurred, Jenny and I then went down to Ocean City, Maryland. We see on this map, this is Ocean City, Maryland. It's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, you know, if you, <laughs> it's a ocean town. It's, 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 it's definitely rough around the edges, but it provided a snapshot of where, of where, of where the, the, um, mainstream mind is, is showing itself. And I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that a little bit later, but it was a fascinating time down there. But the most interesting thing I want to point out, I've been a long time studier of, 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 of chemtrails. I know what they look like. I know how they behave. I've been watching them for a long time. And while in Ocean City, Maryland, I saw something I've never seen before. I saw complete circle chemtrails. I saw them laid and I saw them expand over a time period. I was at the beach. I got to watch them. Something is changing within, within, you know, either how chemtrails are being expressed. Uh, I've only seen them there. And what I'm sensing, you know, this was what makes the most amount of sense. This is Ocean City, Maryland. It is 35 miles away from Wallops Island, which is where we find the Wallops Flight Facility. And this is a major, major NASA, um, uh, launching area. You know, this is a, uh, if there's going to be places where there's, you know, you can read this any way you want to, but on the most basic levels is this is where the poking through occurs. This is where the bleed through is happening. Potentially. And this is one of the ways it's seen. And as we are learning to navigate this reality you know we are blending between invisible world and visible world um just recognize that all of the different demarcations um are shifting so with that in mind this is mike uh i hope this was enjoyable um one last thing for all of those who stayed for the very end this is my own personal watch it's the same model of watch which they use in Interstellar. I bought this watch years before I saw Interstellar, but after that movie had been released, that is for certain. Um, 
So take that however you want to. <laughs> Until the next one and the unveiling of the real internet. Um, keep your eyes open and look for the connections in ways which are normally not thought of to be connected. That's where you find the golden path in the negative space.